Hi, everybody, and welcome to this session, Empowering Students to Ask Meaningful Questions. So we have Laura Stevens here today, who is going to share some great tips on how to do that. Thanks, Patty. Um, I'm Laura Stevens. I teach middle school in um, Missouri, and one of my passions is um, not only asking the students questions, but more importantly, teaching the students how to ask questions and how to ask more than the um, standard what's the answer questions. Um, which is, as I was talking to Patty, kind of unusual because I'm a STEM teacher, science and math, and most people think of this as more of an English subject, but um, it's kind of become my passion. So I just kind of wanted to share some of that with you guys this evening. So I'm gonna go on and present my screen and then hopefully everybody can see it. So let me know if there's a problem. Can you see it, Patty? Or do I need to hit share screen? I don't remember, I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't see it just yet. So go ahead and hit share screen. Oh, I'm sorry. There we go. All right, I can see it. All right. Um, so this is the link to the um, presentation if anybody would like that. And Patty's gonna put it out there in a minute too, which I greatly appreciate. Um, this is me, as I said, I'm a middle school STEM teacher. Um, I have a BA in IT and MA in teaching and an MS in ed tech. And I am um, a relatively new Google certified trainer. Um, we have a little agenda. Um, I have an icebreaker out there. We'll talk a little bit about the value of students asking questions, some different strategies, how you can use it tomorrow, right away, and some resources. Um, so the goal, the basic goal is I want to give you a strategy that you can use with your kids, regardless of how old they are, um, to teach them to ask more meaningful questions. Um, I'm a big believer that if we can teach our kids to ask meaningful questions, they'll be able to be adults that ask meaningful questions and it'll benefit our whole society. Um, my belief is if we as adults could ask meaningful questions, it would improve everything as well as there's, there's no reason we shouldn't ask questions. There's enough things out there that we can question that we should be questioning to get the answers to. So I have a Jamboard up with a little icebreaker and the Jamboard link is bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y backslash quest jam. And we are gonna use the, um, the Jamboard throughout the evening because I, I kind of feel like it's the best way for you guys to experience the strategy that I use the most is to actually go through it. So I'm gonna switch over to the Jamboard. And the um, icebreaker activity is just if you can add a quote from your favorite movie without telling us what the movie's from. And I thought we would see if we could guess what some of them are. Mine's the yellow one and 
Patty's is the pink one. Ooh, the presentation link is a copy link. Yes, ma'am, that was intentional. <laughs> so, um, Rock and Roland, and what now? Hmm. And Topic, I don't know either ones of those, but I'm old. Most of the movies I know are from the 80s. Anybody have any ideas what either one of those are? I don't know what Topic is. Oh, I know that one. I'll be back. Isn't that Terminator? I don't know what the cutting edge is. That is oh, oh, I remember which one that is. Yeah, with the um the hockey player and the um the guy was the hockey player and the girl was the fancy skater person. <laughs> don't put baby in the corner. That's a good one. That one I know. Rock and rolling and what now? I'm not sure on that one. Yeah, baby in the corner, sturdy dancing. What's the rocking and rolling and what now? I don't know that one. Hey, hey, what's this I see? I thought this was a party. Let's see. Oh, is that the Kevin Bacon one? Is this the Kevin Bacon one? I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, Jurassic Park's mine, Shannon. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know this one. I think this is the Kevin Bacon one, but I can't remember which one, uh, you know, where he's the kid and he goes to the town and they can't have dancing. I can't remember what it's called. I'm horrid. Oh, this. Oh, Footloose. Yeah. Is it, isn't this blue one Footloose up here? Awesome. Okay. So I just wanted something simple. I figured this was something we could use as adults and have fun with it, but also we could use with our kids and kind of give, um, I've been really trying to focus on getting um, ways to build community because what I'm finding even with my in-person classes is that there's a lack of community since you can't have, since you have the social distancing and um, the masks and everything. I've been trying to really focus on ways we can build community. I don't own a gun, let alone many guns, which would necessarily, necessitate an entire rack. I have no clue. Anybody have an idea before we click over? It says, I don't own a gun, let alone many guns, which would necessitate an entire rack. I don't know. For some reason, I could see somebody like Susan Sarandon saying that. But maybe that's just me. I don't know what it is. I'm not a big movie person, I guess. 
or I'm an old movie person. Wayne's World. I, I'm not familiar with that one either, so. <laughs> I'm not familiar with that one either. All right. So I'll get back over here and um, get done so you guys aren't bored with me. Um, so the value of questioning, um, like I said, this is one of my passions. And um, I came across this quote, I'm constantly evolving and changing this and adding to it is I told Patty beforehand, I'm almost to the point where I have like a whole series of things that I do kind of around this. Um, so you might see me again with the next half of this or the next portion of this. Um, and I came across this George Coros quote and it um, really resonated with me um, a great deal. If students leave school less curious than when they have started, we have failed them. And um, that's really true. I keep thinking that the purpose of school should not be teaching facts, but yet the purpose of school should be teaching the kids how to learn, um, giving them the skills that they need so they can continue learning as opposed to us just teaching them facts. And I kind of feel like that and questioning goes hand in hand. Shannon, I haven't read a whole lot of his stuff, but the more and more I keep seeing his name, the more and more it keeps resonating with me. So I'm going to have to be doing a little bit more. Oh, sorry, I went too fast. All right. So there's all kinds of strategies out there, and I've just listed a few. Um, modeling, of course, that's easy. I have a wonder wall in my room, um, which is awesome. The kids just, whenever they have a question about anything, the only restrictions I have is that it cannot be pertaining to a specific person. Like, I don't want, you know, why does Michelle have a zit on her nose? They can't put anything up like that, but they can put up, just about anything else. And if the, it's a question that they're not comfortable with, they put it on a sticky note and they give it to me personally. Um, I have had situations where I check with parents. Hey, your kid's asking this. Is it okay if I talk to them about it? And then I have a private conversation with them. Um, practice, expectations, Socratic, and I can never pronounce the other one, Padilla seminars, Sentence starters, Bloom's taxonomy. A lot of people use that for questioning. It's not one of my favorites, but I do know it's common. Um, again, with Kaplan's depth and complexity, I, I see its value, but it's not one of my favorites. I love the I see, I think, I wonder. Um, and my favorite, is, which I'm going to talk to you most about, is the question formulation technique, QFT. And then my daughter has just introduced me to something called game storming, um, which was intended for the business industry. But as I'm reading it, I would say 99% of it could be used in the classroom as well. And um, the one that really got me when I was looking at it, they have a game called the squid and it's a questioning um, scenario to teach people just, 
to, to brainstorm out questions. And basically you draw a squid here. I'll just click on it. Make more sense. You draw a squid and the head of the squid is the topic that the teacher gives out or that in the business situation that the leader of the meeting gives out. And then people start based on that topic, coming up with questions on sticky notes. And then the answers has to be able to be contained on a sticky note and that connects to the question. And it just visually from there's your answer to more questions to there's your answer to more questions. And basically the questions and the answers become the squid's tentacles, but it's very visual. And it, I, I like it because it shows how with one topic, you can have a gazillion questions. And with each question, you can have multiple answers. And with each answer, you have more questions. And it's that continuous cycle of learning. So, um, Game storming, I am going to be looking at it probably sooner or later. You'll see me on here wanting to talk about that because the more and more I look at it, the more and more I can see where it's useful. But anyway, I'm going to go on. My favorite is question formulation technique. It's called shortened to QFT and it is from the Right Question Institute. Um, they are out of Massachusetts. Um, they began their work with dropout prevention. And what really got me is the more and more I did before I buy into anything, I always kind of look, I do what I teach my kids to do. You have to look and see whether you can trust them. Yep. Sentence starters, because even at my age, my middle schoolers, they need sentence starters too. There's nothing wrong with that. But right question Institute started with a dropout prevention program and they were trying to address parents to find out why their parents were not participating in their kids' education. And it came down to the parents basically not knowing what to ask. So not only were they not participating, they also felt shut out because they didn't know what to ask in order to participate. So they worked and worked and worked, and basically the question formulation technique was developed. Um, currently, RQI works with Harvard, and they help develop more training, and they do research. But one of the things that I've kind of fell in love with the organization through is they not only work with schools on all, all, all levels, they also have a self-advocacy program where they teach people how to advocate for themselves, not only in education settings, but in all other settings. Um, they teach about voter engagement. They have a huge get out the vote campaign, but it's not who to vote for. It's knowing your voters rights, knowing your responsibilities as a voter, navigating the system and things like that. And then they also train legal advocates that work with underprivileged and low income and people that need help just navigating the legal system. So um, it's kind of a cool organization. It's a not-for-profit and I really, I like what they do. So anyway, on with um, question formulation technique and I'm going to kind of run you through as it goes. 
So in QFT, students learn to produce their own questions. They're the ones asking the questions we aren't. They're learning how to improve the questions, strategize on how to use the questions, and then reflect on what they learned, how they learned it, and why they learned it. Because the why is often as important as what they learned. Um, there's four rules, and these are, in my class, non-negotiable. And I don't have a lot of non-negotiables, so when I tell my students there is a non-negotiable, they don't give me any trouble. So when we are going through this, you ask as many questions as you can, and you do not stop. I give them a time frame. They have to ask as many questions as they can during that time frame. There's no discussion of the question. There's no judging the question. There's no answering the question. You're just writing down the questions. And whoever's writing down the questions has to write them down exactly as they're stated. They can't change things. They can't rewrite it. They can't reword it. The only thing they can do is if somebody gives a statement, they can change that statement into a question. So those are the four non-negotiables. As many questions as you can. No judging or discussion or stopping. Write down exactly as what's said. And you change all statements into questions. Okay, and then when producing questions. So they ask questions, they have to follow the rules, and then they number the questions. And the numbering is more important than you think because we get to the point where we're actually prioritizing our questions. And they start to learn why some questions are more important than others. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk you guys through the process. So it starts with a question focus. And the question focus can be anything. It can be a picture. It can be a video. It can be a, um, a piece of writing. Um, my friend is an art teacher. She puts up a piece of art. Um, it can be, you know, a short, uh, an actual document, like a, um, an authentic document. So for ours, I put up, and I have it over in the Jamboard, and I'm going to show you in just a second. I put up this picture. So in my classroom, all I would do is, okay, guys, everybody's got, I'd have them in teams. Everybody would have, um, each team would have a big piece of chart paper when we were able to work together. When I'm doing it now, we're doing it on Jamboards, very much like we're going to do it. I put up the question focus, and I just tell them, Here's your question focus, and I give them a specific amount of time. So I'm going to flip over, and thinking about that mask as your question focus, add in on this Jamboard as many questions as you can think of from that question focus. So what questions could you think of in the next, I don't know, four minutes to add in on our Jamboard? So this is where the kids would pull up a sticky note and start typing in all their questions.
I do it in a couple of different um, situations stuff. I do it. I've done it in the beginning as like an entry level to a unit. And then I've also um, done it like in the middle before they're actually doing um, an activity, a creation activity. And then I also really, really, really like doing it at the end because when I give them their question focus, then I take, they come up with, you know, their main question at the end. But then what I do is I go gather all of their questions or maybe depending upon how many there are, I use them as their test questions. So the kids are literally making their own test at that point. And um, I love that because until they, when they, I first do that and they don't realize it, they'll be like in the middle of the test, they'll be like, Hey, wait, I wrote this. And it just builds more of a, um, an ownership piece and they have more voice in it. And most of them at that point, by the time we've gotten to that point, they know the answers. They just don't have the, um, I can't even think what my word is now, the, uh, the confidence to put it down. So, all right, you guys ready for the next step? Are we still have some people? So as this is going on, I'm going to come in here with my pen and I am just going to number these. So this is one, this is two, this is three. Four. It's really hard to write with a mouse. Sorry. This is five. This is six. This is seven, eight, nine, and ten. Okay. So at this point, I would tell the kids, okay, stop what you're doing. And I'd come back over here and we'd go to the next step and I would start talking to them about the difference between an open and a closed question. And um, what's really shocked me with all this, even my eighth graders don't know the difference between an open and a closed question. Um, so depending upon where I'm at in the quarter, this piece, this piece here can be like a whole day's lesson because I take my time. I want them to understand what it is. And I actually work through the advantages and disadvantages of each type. So at this point, I would say, okay, you know, here's an open-ended question. These are the ones that require more explanation. A closed-ended question is a right there question. And it really hits on when I sit, talk about Google. If you cannot find the answer with a simple Google search, it's open-ended. If you can type it in and Google snaps back an answer right away, it's closed-ended. But depending upon, like I said, where I'm at in the quarter, I can spend a whole day on this. And a lot of times this is revisited as bell ringers or as exit tickets because the kids don't understand and that really shocked me because I remember with when I taught fourth grade, I really focused on that.
So I'd have them come back over here and I'd have them mark which questions are open-ended and which questions are closed-ended. And they would put a C by everything that's closed and an O by everything that's open. So I'm going to be quiet and I'm going to give you guys a couple minutes. And if you guys want to go in and mark which ones are closed and which ones are open and let you get to experience like it is for the kiddos. Oh, I love the pineapple. Okay. So let me see. How do you know which mask is better exactly? What are the specific uses of each mask? Can all the masks be reused? Do the loops really matter with comfort or is it more about design? Are the mask one size fits all? What is the fabric like for each mask? Will mask use become standard in the US? How is each mask made? Why are masks important? Awesome questions. Really, really good. And I just always, I always look and see, you know, are the majority of them, and this happens a lot, closed, different students have different opinions. And it's really cool to eavesdrop. And I maybe I shouldn't say eavesdrop. Listen in on their conversations and hear them discuss and um, debate back and forth. Is it open or closed? And I often get well, hey, Miss Stevens, what is it? And I'll be like, well, why do you think that? Why do you think this? What words make you? I try to get them to identify which words are the key words. And a lot of times I let them leave it as CNO. Just, you know, if they can each support their answer, then what's the harm? So then from there, what I have them do is after they've got the um, CNO, we talk about the advantages and disadvantages, and then we start looking at how they can improve the improve their questions. So I put forth a challenge. I want the kids and their groups to take one closed-ended question and turn it into an open-ended question, and one open-ended question and change it into a closed-ended question. So if we did that to ours, you know, ex oh my gosh, I need that one because all of my kids wear it like around their chin. The number of times that I say over your nose a day, I'd be rich if I got a dollar a time. So if we took one, say like this, will mask use become standard in the U.S.? If we wanted to turn that into a closed-ended question, how could we do that? How could we change this question right here into a closed-ended question? Anybody have any ideas? Thoughts? Will mask use become standard in the U.S.? How could we change that to closed? Maybe, um, 
could we say like what is the current percentage of mask use? Oh, yes, that would work. Our masks standard in the US. How many people were yes. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking more data driven. But then we'd also take exactly. We'd also take one of the closed-ended ones and change it to open. Are the masks one size fits all? You know, how could we change that to open? And it takes some time. And I give them that time because this is a skill that they need to look at. And again, this is something that could take all class. And this is something that ends up being bell ringers and um, exit questions because they need that additional practice. So after they've changed them, they've changed one. I don't make them do them all. I just have them pick one. One open to a close and one close to an open. We come back over here and I start posing questions. Did changing it improve the question? Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. And I want them to come up with that. How did you change them? If they improved, why did they change? Or excuse me, if they improved, why did they improve? And if they didn't, why didn't they? You know, always asking that why's. Why do you think? And they're like, well, what's the right answer? I always get the, well, what's the right answer? I, I, my kids are used to me saying, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Um, I'm not one of those teachers that fakes it. I'll tell them straight out that I don't know. And I think that's helped build my classroom um, spirit because they know I'll tell them straight and they know I won't sugarcoat stuff. So I just tell them I don't know. So after we have the close and the open, we do a priori pri prioritization. And um, again, I gave an idea down here. This is another game storming. It's called forced ranking to teach the kids how to prioritize. But with ours, all I ask them to do is I have them take, go back and look at their lists. And we all have them numbered now. But I have them then take them and I have them prioritize. So they leave the one. So they would come in like with a different color. And I don't know if I have different color. Yep, I do on Jamboard. And they would come in with a different color and they would talk amongst themselves and decide which ones is the highest priority down to the lowest priority. So they would go through all of these and say they decided um, why are masks important. If that had the highest priority, they would put a one on it. And then whatever the second one is, the second and the third. So which ones do you guys think is the highest priority, the second highest priority, third highest priority? Really, it goes on down. But for the sake of time, which ones would you guys identify as like the first, second, and third highest priority on here? Ideas, thoughts, or am I overwhelming everybody with as late as it is? In my mind, I'm looking at these and I'm thinking, for me, I would say this is the highest priority. I guess I need a pen instead of an eraser. Why are masks important? 
maybe um, will masks become standard is the second highest priority and maybe uh, oh this one is pretty good too is that your highest priority Steph is that you Armel is that you <laughs> I'm thinking this one too what do you think okay how do you know which mask is better? I, I can see where that's probably a higher priority than the one I said, too. I can agree with that. So I'll erase my two over here. So one, two, which one do you think is the third? That's the second. Which one's the third? Two. Or it could actually be which, well, these are kind of the same question, aren't they? How do you know which mask is better and which mask, which is the best mask? That's a probably pretty close to the same. Are there specific uses? That's a good one too. Okay. So at this point, they'd have them prioritized one through 10 or however many questions they had. And I'd also remind them to remember what the question focus is. Um, and just as, a, as an aside, you really have to focus them on that. I um, love doing environmental. Um, yes, it can. That's what I was getting ready to say, Shannon. Um, I do environmental videos with the kids a lot, and I can't remember the organization I get them from. And one was about um, these gentlemen that tree sit, and they tree sit to bring um, uh, consciousness from the community about the importance of trees and the prevention of over logging. And my goal in it was to get that out of it for the kids to get out of it. And somewhere along the lines, most of the groups had the highest priority things like, well, where does he go to the bathroom and how does he cook his food? And they missed the whole idea. So yeah, the, the questions and the priorities can differ dependent upon the focus and I do have in here, um, which has helped me quite a bit, a link to um, a handout from Right Question Institute to help you develop your focus. And it, it really walks you through really well. So anyway, this is where I start to change up um, QFT and kind of make it my own a little bit more. So I take the top three questions. I have the kids take the top three questions and I have them identify the main ideas in those three questions. So I would have them come over here and I'd say, okay, if these are your three main ideas, I want you to underline or circle the important ideas in those main questions. So we know masks is the same in all of these. So this might be important, you know. This one over might be um, 
which one is better. So it would probably just be better. And this could be specific uses. So we're identifying the main topics are the main ideas in each of the three questions. And then from there, I have them prioritize those ideas. So if we identified that those three questions were the main ideas, at this point, I would have them retype them over here and I would have them identify, oops, sorry, identify the main ideas. And then from those ideas, prioritize which of those ideas are more important. So is the importance of masks or is it knowing which one is better? Or is it knowing which ones for specific uses? Which of those three topics would be the most important? And I really spend some time trying to get them to narrow it down. Narrowing it down, taking their question and breaking it into pieces. And if they have different importances, why or why not? Why is it more important to know if a mask has a specific use than it is to know which type of mask is better? And we look at, well, what kind of word is better? Is better for me, you know, it's one of those sub subjective words. Better for me might not be better from John down the street. And is it better for me when I'm outside riding my bike, or is it better for me when I'm inside teaching the class? And we start to talk about the objective and the subjective and, and focusing on that. And then we get to the point where I start narrowing it down to, I want them to have one question in the end. So I have them take those ideas and after they've got them in priority, I have them write one question based on all three of those ideas. So they would take important, better, and specific uses. And they would take it and put it into one question. So if we took all of these questions, are these ideas that we have, move these over here to the side. And we said, why are masks important? How do you know which mask is better? And what are the specific uses of each mask? And we looked at just the key topics for those. Better, specific uses, and important. How could we write one question to for all three of those questions. That's where we would go now. So better is going to be very objective, right? And specific use. So what do you guys think? How could we take these three questions and put them into one question that would cover all three? What do you guys think? I know I'm making you think. I'm sorry. I don't mean to treat you like the kids, but sometimes I know when I learned this, it was better for me to learn it as if I was a kid. 
So in my mind, yes, how can those three questions be made into one? So thinking about those three ideas. Um, what about based on So we're, I'm trying to think of why it's important in specific uses. Is anybody still awake that can help me out? Why are masks important with specific uses? Maybe is it important to wear specific types of masks and different... Yeah, so that you're... Pilly, you and I are nailing it on the same thing. I was thinking of, is it important to use different types of masks during different situations? What is important about masks and how do we know which? Oh, I like that one. What is important about masks? So let me come over here. Here's our one question. I like that one. Is everybody okay with that one? What was it? What? No. What is important about masks and how do we know which to use in a given situation? I like that one. That incorporates everything. Exactly. But it works. So at this point, when I would come over here, I would just ask them, do we have an open or a closed-ended question? Obviously, we have an open-ended question. And it's really cool once we get to this point after I've done this three or four times the kids start to realize that they need both. They need both open and they need both and they need closed. Just like we need all four colors in our class, we need both types of questions in our class. And what they really like is when they have a big question to start from, but then when they narrow it and start narrowing it down to the littler questions, those are the ones where they can start getting the research that they need. So at this point, we'd move to an action plan. And based on whatever the project is, is it going to be, you know, in this situation, you know, I'm big on making movies here lately. I am really, really big on making like PSA movies. So that's probably what I would do since that seems to be my kids tell me what I've been wanting them to do all year so far is I want you to make a PSA explaining the importance of masks and which masks to use in the, each situation. And I want you to gear that towards high schoolers or young college. So I'd probably tell them to people between the ages of 17 and 24, because all my middle schoolers want to be between 17 and 24. So at that point, we'd come up with an action plan. Based on that, what items do you need to know? 
and I'd actually have them fill it out. What do you need to know? Out of this, you, they'd have to go out and figure, one of the things they need to know is why masks are important. What is their purpose? What do they do? What function do they serve? And I always make them have data. Where's the proof? Where's the proof that they help? And then what masks work in given situations? So I, you know, if you're sitting at home, what mask do you need? If you're out riding a bike, what mask do you need? If you're going to Walmart, what mask do you need? Which masks work in different situations? And they would actually have that here in their action plan. What are the items they need to know? And then this one is, what do they need to do? So in this one, they would know that they would need to um, possibly survey, do some surveys. They might have to do an interview. They might have to call, you know, like a medical professional and ask some data. They might, they're going to have to have a cameraman to film. They know they're going to have to write a script. You know, those are the tasks that they have to do. And I, I get really picky with this. I actually take it down to them filling out a chart and they have to put, they have to prioritize these things. They have to prioritize what comes first, what comes second, because you, in, and I'm assuming that this is the same probably with everything up until high school. My middle schoolers all just want to jump into filming before they have any, you know, information. <laughs> so I really work on the prioritizing and make sure they realize that everything has a priority number. And then they have to give it a type. Is it an NTK and need to know? Or is it an NTD and need to do? When is it needed? They need a date. You know, if your due date is two weeks and your first piece of information is what is the data to prove that, you know, a, a K95 mask or N95 mask works, they need that pretty soon. They don't need that two weeks from now. And then they have to list what's, what is the task and if they're working in a group specifically who is responsible. And I have to sign off on this before they start work. This holds them accountable. And I kind of tell them it's like their contract. Can it be changed? Yes. But in order for it to be changed, you have to come talk to me. And I usually make them put it in writing, like in an email. And um, I, I try to hold them to that. And then from there, I have them do reflection questions before they start working on their actual project. Why did you prioritize your items the way they did? And I have them do this independently. They don't do this part in a group. Um, were your three priority items the same as they were in the original sequence? And that gets really interesting because they'd come back and look over here at their priority items. And I erased them all, not thinking. Oh, I didn't. So this one we prioritized as one, but it was actually the 10th question that was asked. This one we prioritized as two. It was the first question that was asked. And it's kind of interesting just to start look, getting them to look back and they'll eventually start to see that the questions that they ask later on, like at the end of the questions, question time, are usually the ones that end up with the higher priority. 
And um, that gets pretty interesting. How did changing your open and closed question impact its priorities? And then I actually make them specifically tell me what their personal next step is. So where are they on this chart? And where is their number one? Okay. And that pretty much takes me to them actually starting a project. But they now know that they can answer questions. And also with this, they can visually see. So the kids keep all of these questions. And the first thing that I have them do when we start working is pull all these questions back out. And which of these questions are already built in as your need to knows? Some of these are already built in as your need to knows. So specific use. Specific use might be how it's made. Specific use might be, do the loops really matter? Specific use might be, are they one size fits all? Okay. Our mass standard might be up here by, are they important? Can all masks be reused? Where's that going to fit? So they are actually building in their need to know questions ahead of time. And they have a starting point. And it's not the deer in the headlights look as to where do I go from here? And what do I need to know? And I haven't given them any questions at all. You know, it's not the, well, what do I look up? I don't know what you look up. Look back at what your questions are. I didn't make the questions. You guys did. So I'm trying to really get them to have the voice and the self-esteem and the belief in themselves that they can ask powerful questions and they know how to get the answers. So um, just as another aside from I'm coming to the end of my first quarter and we did this with my seventh graders and I did it with clients. So the clients came in and they actually posed the kids COVID questions. Like one was how to be able to get parents into sporting events. So I had the kids set that down. That was their focus question. Parent, I showed them, a, we set it up as a picture of a parent at a sporting event. And they went through this whole process and they were actually able to go through the design thinking and design process and come up with relevant answers to propose back to the assistant principal to help get parents in and come up with a plan so parents can see their student athletes. So it's really um it's really cool, I don't know how else to say it, to see your kids go from expecting you to give them the answer and expecting you to give them a closed-ended, give them the question, a closed-ended question that they can punch into Google and write as an answer in a paragraph to actually expecting them to come up with the questions, come up with the answer, and come up with a meaningful idea that they can help in society. And I think that's where the power of the ads asking questions comes in. So 
anyway, in here, I've listed a whole lot of resources that I've come up on. Um, I'm constantly adding to this. So as I said earlier, and as I told Patty, you'll probably see me out there with the next step or how I've changed this and tweaked it and added it in. Um, I'm anxious to talk to some people that use it um, or that how it could be modified to use at an elementary level. I know it would take some modification, but I think it could be done. Um, so I'm open for questions, thoughts, opinions, ways that I can make it better, ways that you guys see that you could use it. Hopefully there's something you took away that you could use tomorrow if you wanted to. What kind of picture topics would you recommend? I've used everything. I've used political cartoons. I have used, I love using environmental things, but one of my classes is environmental engineering. Um, uh, my art teacher uses um, actual pieces of art. Uh, modified for K1 is what my teachers are looking for. So like, are we to get little ones to ask questions? Could you do, um, what about doing something like a tire? You know, an attire could have so many questions. What's it for? What kind of, you know, what's it used for? Is it a circle? Is it a sphere? Is it, you know, what's it made out of? Could be a gazillion different things or a plant. A plant would be great for K1. And, you know, what is the plant? What's the black stuff around the plant? How does the plant grow? You know, you might K1, and correct me if I'm wrong, Patty, you're, you teach little kids, right? You wouldn't you, do you think you'd have to give them, besides the cue focus as a picture, would you have to give them like some sentence starters or would you just work with them to develop their questions? I would, with, with my little ones, um, I would do, like you were saying, with a picture. Um, I wouldn't give the sentence starters just yet. I would kind of see where their mind and their thinking is going with it first. And if they see, you know, they need some prompting, then I'll bring in those sentence starters. Cool. So, I mean, don't you think that it could work with little ones? Oh, absolutely. They're, they already have inquisitive minds to begin with. All right. Thank you. I'm, I hope so. So any other questions, um, Jerry, I'll keep thinking on that one because I would think that, you know, anything simple like that, looking at the curriculum, I honestly, if they put me in a first grade class, that'd probably be the reason for me to retire. I've never went that low. Um, I think they were always afraid I'd duct tape them to the chair. Uh, but all I was thinking is like a plant or maybe the sun or a wheel, anything. Um, or even, you know, what about like a stop sign or you could even bring in social emotional with this um somebody crying like a sad face you know that would be really cool so anyway if nobody else has any questions um i appreciate you listening to me and hopefully i gave you some good ideas and i would love feedback if you guys want to give me any feedback i'd appreciate it Thank you so much, Laura. I really enjoyed your presentation. It was very thorough.
but it was really easy to follow the process that you laid out. I'm really excited mm -hmm. about the action plan. You know, like you said, it, it holds them accountable and it gives them ownership. You know, we all know that when students have ownership of it, they, they just, they go right with it. All right. Thank you so much. You guys have a good evening. Stay safe and stay healthy.